It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. Welcome in. Sports by the Book is the show. I'm Jeff Parles, Alex White alongside. Happy to be with you as always. We got a red on. Yeah. Both. Both. Uh, Valentine's Day uh, <laughs> today here on the uh, 14th. Uh, Alex, how you double duty for you today? Yes. How are you though? You had two days off after the Super Bowl. How has there was that a game been? Two days ago. <laughs> good kid. All right, that's three days ago three? now. Yeah. No. Uh. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh. Second Super Bowl overtime, as we know. I know a bunch of people in studio cashed on that overtime prop. It was. A, it was a good Sunday. Let's just go with that. Uh. For myself, I enjoyed myself. Uh. I'll go with that. Uh. Our thoughts are with everyone in Kansas City impacted today uh, by the senseless shooting. Uh, and Union Station after the parade, just it's absolutely senseless in every every word. Uh, as we know, just horrendous. Uh, one one dead, uh, about twenty uh, wounded right now, being uh, cared for in Kansas City area hospitals right now. Alex, uh, there is no good segue from that. Uh, we're we're gonna bring in our guy Danny Burke in about fifteen minutes. Uh, a rare NBA segment coming for us with our guy DB is a few plays on tonight's game, uh, a loaded NBA card. Yes, there I, is. Yes, because love is in the air, and you got to go to NBA, go to an NBA game tonight <laughs> uh, here on on Valentine's Day. Almost a whole league in action today. Twelve games on the NBA side. Um, normal college slate on a Wednesday, but you and I are going to start in a place we normally don't go to on this show, but we're going to go to it first because when you come to me and say, Hey, there's some numbers I want to talk about in the futures market and college hoops. I'm like, all right, well, you think about it is UConn and Purdue would, you would normally think would be the the two favorites, but behind us on North Carolina and Purdue, are your two betting favorites? North Carolina, again, upset last night, a night ago with the J M a wireless dome. Carrier Dome, sorry, sorry, JMA Wireless. Uh, but they were upset last night by Syracuse, Purdue, six to one, Connecticut still sitting there at seven to one, Houston and Arizona, both eight to one, uh, twelve to one on a pair of SEC teams in Tennessee and Auburn, uh, and Kansas as well, also at twelve to one. Alabama, Kentucky, and Illinois sit there at fifteen to one. The rest of the field twenty five to one. Alex, I'll give you the floor here since you uh you saw some numbers that intrigued you a little bit. Well, I have to say, I mean, I know North Carolina, which I'm shocked to see they are one of the betting favorites, but they did go on that hot streak. But there's another one on the board there that is all the way at 35 to 1, and that is Duke. And I just think if they can make it into the tournament, they can still make a run here. Um, I want to get your thoughts, though. And I do have to ask you about Kansas. They're at 12 to 1. Now, I think you've been saying all season long they don't have the depth. Is that correct? I mean, that's still my take on them. Hasn't changed at all. They're still. I think they were in full force the other night, nah, McCull- showing Mc- that without McCullers. Yeah, McCullers didn't play. Yeah. Uh, take on one of their, to me. You take on one of their top four. You're they're in big trouble, and they were. I mean, they were awful on top of it on Monday night. Not in Lubbock, competitive uh, against Texas Tech. A good win for uh, the Red Raiders to continue uh, their march well into the NCAA tournament. You know, it's <clears throat> just looking at some of these numbers here now. I'm in the camp that Purdue and UConn are, are ahead of everyone else. And then once you go from three down to about 25, throw them all in, in, in the random number generator, pick a number for a team, and then go from there. That's basically how I feel. If one of those top two teams, UConn or Purdue, get knocked off in the NCAA tournament, it's anyone's tournament this yeah. year. Uh, last year, of course, UConn decimated everything in their path as a four seed to winning another t- winning another title. Uh, I didn't trust them at all going into that tournament. I'll very much have some trust uh, going in there this year. There was another one, though, that stood out to okay. you, uh, Alex, that, that you wanted to bring up before. Oh, that is Marquette sitting yeah. there, 25-1. to 1. So Marquette's interesting. I don't think there is – I think they're, they're number four in the country right now. They're 11 in Ken Palm. I think the 11 is more correct than the four. Or, yes, we've no, I've, I've had – I've quibbled with some of Ken Palm's stuff uh, this year, by the way, BYU is down to fourteen. We're getting we're getting more normal on BYU where BYU should be ranked uh, at this point in Ken Palm. They're twenty five to one as well to win the title. They're not winning the title. Um, Marquette, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because when you play that type of defense, where it's turnover based, 
Uh, they, they, they forced the 13th most turnovers in the country by percentage of possessions. They're at about 22% of the possessions for the opposing team and the turnover against Marquette. That's really good. Yeah, very good. My question for them is their offense, where they're just outside the top 20 in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Good. 21st in effective field goal. Good. I don't know if they're a good enough three-point shooting team. That's the one thing that scares me a little bit with them. They're about 35%. That's about in the top, back end of the top third uh, in the country. We've also seen it with Shaka Smart, other than that miracle run at VCU, has not had much tournament success. Yes, I know he had the run at VCU, but we're talking about 2011 at that point. And that was more of an, I, that was more of a fluke run more than anything. Um, and you look at Marquette. The one other thing, too, and again, all these teams are draw dependent. There are only two teams in the country that I don't care what their draw are. Draw ends up being they're going to make a run. It's UConn and Purdue. Everyone else, like, if you look at the graphic there, I mean, Baylor's capable of losing to a good 14 seed. Iowa State's capable of losing to a good 14 seed. And I think those teams are really good. Yep. And with the right draw, I could see Iowa State winning the national championship. I don't think they will, but you're talking about a team with an elite defense. Now, again, on the flip side of that, where you have the two extremes kind of on this list, where Kentucky has this amazing offense and their defense was awful until last night over the last three weeks, where it scares me, even if you have an efficient offense, if you have a horrible defense, right. it really scares me on that front. Iowa State, it scares me with their offense, where it's, look, last year going into the tournament, they were 114th in offensive efficiency. That's pretty bad for a high-end tournament team they of course that offense was beyond embarrassing against Pitt in that round of 64 loss last year uh where did they even get the 40 in that game they got 41 yeah so they barely got the 40 their offense is much better they would probably be the one in that category there from in that 30 to 1 pocket that I would consider taking I also don't mind Florida Atlantic at 50 to 1 I don't but the problem is and this is why I don't bet a lot of futures unless if I think the numbers are totally out of whack, which I don't think many of these are, if any. The draws, the, the draws are so important. Because what happens when FAU gets thrown in UConn's region? Right. They're not even getting to the Final Four. Uh, they get thrown in Purdue's region. Yeah, they, they could beat Purdue. It's possible. They already beat Arizona on a neutral this year, who's one of the more talented teams and has... Again, not a Zach Eady, but Balo inside is a is a force to be reckoned with when he's actually on the floor. That's what scares me a little bit. I would I would very much of those low numbers, no problem with Purdue, no problem with UConn. I would have big time reservations of of taking a six to one on North Carolina, a yes. seven to one on Houston, say or an eight to one on Houston. I should say same sort of offensive thing as Iowa State. I don't trust Tommy Lloyd one bit at eight to one on Arizona. And then those three SEC teams, Rick Barnes, no thanks, at 12 to 1. Auburn, I think, is good. I just don't think they're as good as that number would dictate. And Alabama, we've talked about a ton. They're not making their shots. They're capable of losing to anybody. 15 to 1 on that. So I will say on the Iowa State side, if you do like them, shop around because I think there's still some 35 to 1 out there. 35 was the best I saw. Yes. Um, I am holding a 50 to one with Iowa state, but I'm, I mean, I really do like them. I might put a little bit more on the 35 to one, but let's go back to Marquette as well. And I want to ask you about the tournament coming up here with the big East. Do you think that they have a chance to take down Connecticut? I mean, they've been on a good run here. And when you look at Ken Palm and you compare just their conference numbers, I mean, it's really just Marquette and Connecticut. Marquette is best adjusted defense efficiency sure. in the conference and then um connecticut's the best offense and then they're vice versa so i'll just throw this out there they're not going to catch them for the regular season crown i don't think okay. UConn's at books that have an open minus 1200 they should be they have one conference loss uh they play they play marquette this weekend or excuse me next week yeah this upcoming weekend yes you can't plays DePaul tonight <laughs> um Whole lot of fun there. What is, what, what is that up to now? Um, 24 and a half on mm -hmm. the road at Wintrust? Yeah, good. That's probably still not enough. Uh, but that is a big-time <laughs> matchup on the road in Hartford for Marquette. Now, UConn's 12-1 in conference. Marquette is 10-3 with two shots at UConn. 
I, I still don't like that. And even at plus five fifty, uh, you're gonna get, probably get a better price betting Marquette on the money line, rolling it over for those two games than a plus five fifty. Good point. When we get to the conference tournaments, I mean, it depends on how everyone's playing, right? So yeah, it could be a price worthy worthy of taking a shot on Marquette to win the Big East tournament. I'd probably look to taking Creighton when we get to the Big East tournament as a possible flyer to win at Madison Square Garden and. Uh, in a little bit under a month from now, but that would be the way that I would look to play it. You look at some other other leagues right now. The interesting one, uh, based off of the way it is, would you take a did, would you take a flyer? Would you take a flyer on South Carolina, Ooh. who tonight, by the way, is an is a double digit underdog on the road at Auburn. Would you take a shot on them at nine to one to win the SEC? That would be the only one that I would look look to potentially right now. South Carolina in SEC play, currently sitting at a tie with Alabama. Yep. Granted, Alabama has the tie break on. Alabama beat them up at Coleman Coliseum in, in Tuscaloosa earlier in the year. 9-1, yeah. one's interesting, but again, when you're losing the tiebreakers and you're 12-point underdog tonight with a road games at Kentucky and Mississippi on the board. Oh, and by the way, a revenge spot for Tennessee going to Columbia coming up. It's a little bit tough to ask there. Yeah, you're right. It really is. But, I mean, South Carolina has been very impressive. And, I mean, they're second right now in defense, um, adjusted defense efficiency in that conference. So, you're right. They played well, 9-2. and two. I don't know. 9-1 to one is a little tempting there. Alex, going to tonight real quick. Let's go to tonight's games. Let's start with one that starts in 20 minutes. Penn State hosting Michigan State tonight. Three and a half. We're starting to see some threes in the market now. Sparty favored on the road at Bryce Jordan Center. Total 142 and a half for this one. This is a big game for Michigan State. They got the big win on Saturday. They needed against Illinois. Felt like the whole world was on Michigan State, and they still got there on Saturday at home. Now they go on the road where Penn State, we talk home road splits a lot. Mm -hmm. Penn State's home road splits are pretty jarring. They do have conference home losses to Northwestern and Minnesota, but they've taken Iowa out at home. Uh, they took Ohio State out in a big comeback to beat Wisconsin at home. They are much better at the Bryce Jordan Center than they are away from State College. I was looking at Penn State here and taking the points. I did get a little nervous because I just don't think this is a great matchup. Uh, Penn State lost 92-61 to 61 in the first one, but since that loss to Michigan State, they do have some big wins over under their belt, like you said. Um, they are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five and 9-4 and four, um, to the over in the conference uh, conference play. And then Michigan State, they are 2-6 and six against the spread on the road. So that might be a little bit of an edge here, some trends that you might like if you're leaning towards the Penn State side, but I don't know, Jeff. I just didn't. I just didn't trust him that much. Are you? Are you willing to take the points with the home team? I'd only look that direction. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> now you missed the best of it. You could have got four on the overnight. Right. Wasn't there for that long, but you missed the best of it if you if you did. Uh, if you got the four, job well done. I. I don't. I really don't like this Penn State team that much, but they are playing better. I mean, they really are. They, they've won three out of their last four. They won two of those games on the road. They went to Rutgers one handily. They won on the road in, in Bloomington. They really gave it tough to Northwestern on Sunday. But it, it is a desperation time for the Spartans. And even though I don't love this team, I think they're fine. I don't think they, they definitely don't match up with their 15th ra ranking in Ken Palm right now. I think they're closer to about the 30th best team than the 20th best team. But they have a ton of talent. And that's been the thing all year with Michigan State. Their talent uh, has been uh, has been high end all year long, uh, as the year uh, goes along for Michigan State. I will say, I mean, it could be a good spot for Penn State with Michigan State coming off that win against Illinois, and then I don't know how much it really means to them. We know Michigan's not very good, but they do have them up next, and we know the state rivalry there. Um, it worked yesterday. I mean, Michigan was getting 15 points and uh, stayed away from that one, knowing that they had Michigan State up next, and they lost 97-68 to Illinois. So not really um, competitive in that one. But I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that with Michigan not being very good, if, if you think that means anything to the Spartans. I don't. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, you know, it's when, when it's all said and done here for Michigan State, I still think they make the NCAA tournament. But you got to take, take care of your business here because the way the schedule breaks, you're supposed to win this game in State College. You're definitely supposed to handle business in Ann Arbor against Michigan, who's a mess yes. right now. Then they have home games against Iowa, mediocre. Ohio State fired Chris Holtman this morning. So you have four straight games you're supposed to win before wrapping the year with a game at Purdue. You're not winning now one more likely than not. And a game against Northwestern, which is a really important game. I think Northwestern's in, even though they got some bad injury news with Barry being out for the year with it with the knee injury. I, I just don't I just don't see the opportunities here for Michigan State. If you're losing games, you're favorite on the road and you gotta handle it. Uh, more times than not. Uh, I want to go to one game that's gotten steamed here, and I'm a little bit surprised this number came at what it was overnight, and that's Richmond and UMass. This was three and a half on the overnights, which I just think was a, a, a miss more so than anything. Even though initial action here at the South Point took it from four to three, and now we're all all the way up the ladder to five and a half now on this game. Richmond, with an opportunity to win the A-10 here, Alex, where... You look at the A-10, Dayton's going to the NCAA tournament. They're, they're in. Richmond, right now at 9-1 and one in conference with a win over Dayton. Their only loss was that one, which was just a great situational spot to go against them against VCU uh, two, uh, two weekends ago. Now they get mm-hmm. an improved UMass team. Of course, Frank Barden now there at Amherst. I was a little bit surprised this came three and a half. We're now reaching the point now, though, where if we get the six, I would go the other way. And take UMass if this thing gets to six in the next 45 minutes or so. I think you're completely right. I think um, very short number opening there um, with Richmond and what they are playing for. And also UMass, yes, they've been better. They've won three of their last four. But, I mean, they're one in three against the spread, one in four in their last five. So they haven't really been covering those numbers. So you're right. I think if we get to a certain point, you might be able to grab Massachusetts here. But... Even at that five and a half, I'm not ready to take those points. It's not one of those. One other one here, and this number looks like it's starting to come back a little bit. South Florida, as of right now, first in the American Athletic Conference, eight overnight, as high as eight and a half, now down to seven and a half at some shops, eight in this one. Seven and a half, sounds good to me on the Bulls. I know it's not the greatest spot. Uh, to go on South Florida here in this one, Alex, but they are playing a team that I just I don't like at all. I think Tulsa's at one said they're one seventy nine at Ken Palm. I think they're that's perfectly mediocre. And South Florida, yeah, this is they're pushing a nine they're pushing a nine game winning streak right now. Yeah, it, there's going to be a time to come back on the other side. I think that time comes on Sunday when Florida Atlantic comes calling in the intra intra Florida battle in Tampa. I think that's fair. I think this is a good spot for South Florida. They're 10 and 1 in conference play, 8 1 and 2 against the spread. And then on the flip side, Tulsa just 3 and 8 in conference, 1 and 7 on the road and 1 6 and 1 against the spread. So, yeah, I I like South Florida here. I like the 7 and a half better than that 8, but I still think you're okay laying the points. Seeden Hall and Xavier. Big East battle, both teams I would say, at least for me, on the wrong side of the bubble right now. I think Seton Hall may be able to sneak in still. Not good recently for the Pirates. Their only two wins in their last six games are against DePaul and Georgetown. It's not good. <laughs> only against the teams you're supposed to beat. They got hammered in Philadelphia by Villanova on Sunday. Now they return home to take on Xavier, the X-Men, Good win against St. John's and a good win at Villanova mixed in. Swept by Creighton, lose to UConn. All right, whatever. UConn. This is one where Ken Palm has Xavier actually a road favorite in this game. Seton Hall a three-point favorite here in this one, Alex. I'm not touching this. I thought Seton Hall should be about two. At three, no thanks. See, I really wanted to take the points here with Xavier. I don't really know what kept me off of this. Both teams coming off a loss. Xavier won the first matchup by 20. Maybe that's what kind of threw me off here, knowing that they were now going into Seton Hall and they'd probably be ready to play. But Xavier is by far the better team. 40th overall on Kempom, 27th adjusted defense, 63rd adjusted offense. 
And then you've got Seton Hall that's right at that 70 mark. Um, Xavier likes to play a lot faster than Seton Hall. We'll see if they can control the pace. But I was definitely leaning to taking the points here with the dog. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, our guy, Danny Burke, sports betting analyst, will join us next. We are going to go talk some NBA. I haven't done that in a while on the show. DB joins us next. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. The friendly ticket writers are happy to help, and it's conveniently located next to the famous Del Mar Deli, where you'll find supersized portions of delicious deli items like roast beef, pastrami, and Reuben sandwiches, or soups, salads, and pizza plus spectacular desserts fit for a king. And right next door is the race book, over 150 seats, each with its own TV screen. There are 16 interactive player terminals, so you can bet right from your seat. Welcome back in. It's Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio. I'm Jeff Parles, Alex White alongside. We're happy to be with you. Now joining us, he's one of our favorites, Danny Burke with us right now. Burksbeat.com, Burksbeat Podcast. You saw him with us previewing the big game on Sunday. Now with us to talk some association. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing good, but clearly not as good as you, Jeff, after you were telling me you had use chick first catch. Uh, you were all over MVS with the touchdown props. You might have to get one of their jerseys in celebration of them cashing for you. Nicely done, my friend. You know, it's. Uh, I, I think we'll go with the uh, even the blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while <laughs> theory on that. Yeah, whatever. It's every once in a while, I got to get something right uh, on that. The use check one, I will say this. I wasn't the only one on the use check one. Because I saw that yeah. floating around after the catch happened a lot more than I expected. 24 to ones, 25 to ones on Usechek to have the first reception for the 49ers. And quite frankly, the only play design that could have got that done was what happened right. on that second down play. Uh, so, yeah, that was good. It was a lot of, it's a lot of fun when you hit a 25 to one. It doesn't happen every day uh, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's go to the association here. Yeah, uh, Danny, I'm going to take you take you away from tonight's action. I just want to ask you this real quick, because Joel Embiid officially is now ineligible to win the MVP. We saw the Tim Bontemps straw poll come out earlier in the week. Jokic took over the number one slot with Shea Gilgis Alexander number two and Giannis Antetokounmpo at number three. I'll just ask you this right now: If you're looking to make a bet on the NBA MVP, would you just take the chalk? And go ahead and bet Jokic right now. With right now, he's about minus one fifty. Or would you take a shot on Giannis sitting there at seven to one, hoping that the Bucks turn it around the last two months of the season here? Honestly, I wouldn't look at either of those candidates. Now, it's not to say that I don't think Jokic deserves to be the front runner and that Giannis is in top three in contention, but. I would look a little bit more for value, and I would look at a guy like Luka Doncic. And it okay. seems like we have this conversation every season about when Luka's finally going to win it, if the Mavericks are going to be a good enough team for him to be 
in the contention for this award, but you look at some of the numbers he's been putting up consistently and how this team has been performing, especially on their home floor. They've been a dynamite offense. Defensively, yes, they're always going to have their issues on that side of the floor. It kind of comes with the territory, but last I checked, Jeff and Alex, I think he was like 12 to 1, maybe 10 to 1, somewhere in the double digits. 12. And purely based, okay, yeah, so 12 to 1, purely based on the number, and again, just someone I think could absolutely end up being in the top three. I think he would be someone actually worth a play, not laying minus 150 this far out. We know the dangers of doing that. Voting is a human element to it, right? Emotions get taken into it, most notably last year with Embiid and Jokic. And then, of course, injuries as well. The Nuggets also have been struggling a little bit as of late. I think they'll be fine in the long run for sure. But again, in terms of value, I would definitely look at Luka. And I think you would maybe not look at Giannis because you don't want to back someone who's under the umbrella of Doc Rivers, <laughs> considering that hasn't gone according to plan. I remember you and I were talking about this on the show. And then right away, what, he had like two blown leads with the Bucks. It was oh, uncanny. Yeah. Look, it's, it's – I, I, I'm – I forget who wrote the article, but someone I I don't remember Bon Teps or it was uh mm-hmm. or it was someone at the Athletic basically interviewing people in front offices and going, "Well, we're not scared of Milwaukee anymore." As soon as that hire was made, <laughs> which in all honesty I can't disagree with. By the way, Bucks are well right. under 500 since since Doc has taken over all the way down to mm-hmm. third and East. I will ask you this since you're going with with Luca who's not quite as long range as the people I'm going to mention right now, but he is double digits. Would you consider a flyer on one of these two? You got Kawhi Leonard sitting there at about 50 to one. Obviously, the Clippers are red hot, even though the Timberwolves took them out over the weekend. And what about Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs slowly but surely under the radar here? The Cavs are in second place in the Eastern Conference and on pace for 57 wins right now. Mitchell has pretty comparable numbers to Kawhi and Jalen Brunson, who are shorter than him right now. And he's sitting at 100 to 1. Yeah, I don't hate the idea of going with Kawhi Leonard as well. And I know that's been a popular play from a lot of people just talking about the Clippers backing them long run in general and then looking to take some of that value before it's too late with a guy like Kawhi Leonard. So if you want to throw maybe a quarter unit on it, some pizza money, whatever it may be, I don't hate the idea of that. The Clippers have been a strong team and they're only going to get better, presumably, as the year progresses. Now, Kawhi is out of the game tonight as they're going to head into the All-Star break, but he's really going to have to amp it up even more so in the latter half of the season season to really decrease those odds, which I do think he's capable of. So between those two, I think he can make the argument for Kawhi. Instead of betting Donovan Mitchell, if you want to get involved with that Cavs team, I think you just go with Bickerstaff Coach of the Year. Hmm. Certainly the odds are nowhere near as juicy, but this team has been incredible. They were just on that long win streak. They finally fell short at home against the uh, Sixers, I believe was who it was. But this team has been very impressive. And I think one of the last times I was on and we were talking about basketball, I was mentioning how they were maybe a sneaky team to see coming out of the East. I think their ceiling realistically is probably the Eastern Conference Finals, but still, as we know, this voting is regular season-based, and Cleveland could come out as one of the best Eastern Conference teams and teams in the NBA, and also with the improvement and where we expect them to finish at the end of the regular season, I think their coach could absolutely be worth a play for Coach of the Year. I like that a lot. Let's go into tonight's games, though. You are looking at one. The Hornets trying to turn their season around. They're just 12-41, and 41, but they are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five. On the flip side, this Hawks team has not been great on the road, especially for us gamblers. 9-17 and 17 against the spread. I think the best number right now, we can get 7 with Charlotte. The total sitting at 238. What are you going to do with this one? You bring up a very strong point, Alex, and the main reason why I'm looking to fade Atlanta here, and that's been their road woes. We've already seen them lose on the road to the Charlotte team. Granted, very beginning of the season and a lot different Hornets team. Charlotte dished out some of their top players, uh, Rozier, Haywood, and uh, who's a PJ Washington as well. They bring out some other pieces, and the guys that they brought on, Seth Curry, Trey Mann, Grant Williams, They've won their last two games, and I'm not guaranteed that they're going to win this one, but I just think laying seven, seven and a half, that's a number I got. I took seven in the hook. That seems very 
unwarranted for this Atlanta Hawks team that you mentioned. Again, very bad on the road, ATS and straight up. And when they've laid six or more points, they're three and eight against the number. Both of these defenses are horrible. The Hornets a little <laughs> bit worse. They're 30th in defensive points per 100 possessions and defensive effective field goal percentage. You look at the Hawks, they're not that far behind. 27th and then 29th in those respective categories. Plus, they're still going to be without Capella. They're still going to be without Okongwu and Wesley Matthews. So it just seems like such a steep number to lay with a very shaky team in Atlanta. Uh, Charlotte's got some momentum with these new pieces. I think they can do enough to keep it within the number for their final game before they head into the All-Star break. So give me seven in the hook. I'd play it down to seven as well with the home team here. Danny, I, before we get to your next game, I just want to ask you this because this is for the majority of the teams playing tonight. This is the final game before the NBA All-Star break. Of course, the All-Star game in Indianapolis on Sunday, is is there any changes in the way you normally handicap this? I don't want to call it a getaway game, but that's essentially what it is for a lot of these teams going into the extended break. Yeah, the way I kind of look around it, and it's not like I'm breaking any news here. I think you target some of these teams that don't have anything to play for. And it's not that the Hornets really do, but again, the Atlanta Hawks are equally as bad. I know they're a little bit better in terms of the record column, but looking at a lot of these statistics and getting some of these new pieces, having that momentum, I think they kind of are the outlier to this. But you could look at some of these inferior teams that are clearly tanking. You could look at some of these teams, think the Denver Nuggets, for example, a team that's we're accustomed to being at the top of the standings. They were champions last year. They've been on a really bad lull as of late. It looks like they're going to be without Jamal Murray, but they're one of the best home court advantages in the NBA. They want to get in the W column before they head into the All-Star break. They're taking on the Kings, who have a prolific offense, sure, but a very, very weak defense. Factor that in with wanting to get out on top before the second half of the season and just knowing how bad that defense is from Sac uh, Sacramento. I think a team like Denver could capitalize. And uh, look, I don't want to lay the five pre-flop. That's probably going to be more of an in-game betting one that I'll look to jump in on Denver. But teams like that that have maybe been underperforming want to get out on a high note at home. Those are the teams that I would want to signal out before the All-Star break. Now, that's a perfect way for an in-game approach. And in all honesty, that is that Sacramento-Denver game as you just said, really is just an absolutely perfect in-game approach game uh, yeah. for tonight. And then a lot of these teams are playing on back-to-back -back nights. So a lot of them mm -hmm. were in action yesterday. You're also looking at another one, and um, that's Orlando. They're playing on a back-to-back -back night. They are hosting the New York Knicks. What are you thinking in this one? Yeah, so I, I will say full disclosure, when I was kind of keeping and keeping refreshing these uh, injury statuses for the Knicks, it looked like Hartenstein and then DiVincenzo uh, were going to play, but now it's been announced that they're going to be absent in this game. So at least when I checked, maybe that's been disproved somewhere else, but the last I checked, they are not going to play and that changes everything. And not that I had an official play on this game, but if they were going to be in and the line didn't shift too much, I could easily find myself taking the three to four points wherever it was in that range with the New York Knicks. Look, they've been on a three-game losing streak. They're coming off of that controversial loss against the Houston Rockets in their other matchup that they're appealing, and we'll see what comes of it. But they're going to be ticked off because of that losing streak heading into the All-Star break, how the last game ended. And they've also fallen victim to the Orlando Magic twice this season. So despite their injuries, I do think they're the better team. They have a really strong defense and a way better offense than the Magic and can kind of counter a lot of the categories that Orlando thrives in. So that's what made this very tempting looking at the Knicks. But again, without DiVincenzo and without their big man, I think ultimately I got to stay away. But you really didn't see the market move too much. I'm still seeing about, what, three and a half and four out there. But if maybe at least had DiVincenzo, one of your sharp shooters, I could make a case for it still. But without him, Brunson's going to need to do even more work than he already does. Orlando, of course, as Alex mentioned, played yesterday. They, had the, uh, they were honoring yeah. Shaq yesterday, finally retiring his number. Uh, Thunder just pummeled the Magic in the second half, winning that game by 14 points. Thunder, 37-17. How about that season for OKC? <laughs> Danny Burke with us right now, burksbeat.com. That's also the name of the podcast as well. Danny, I want to go to the Heat and the Sixers tonight. Of course, Philadelphia coming off a big win against Cleveland last time out. Miami wayward season. Jimmy Butler now with the team uh, dealing with a, uh, a, a, a family issue uh, through the week. Uh, 
you're not looking at this from the point spread or the total here. You're looking at a player prop in this game with the Sixers laying three in South Philly tonight. Yeah, a player that stood out to me that I would consider if you want to get into the prop conversation tonight would be Kelly Oubre. 18 and a half is the number I saw earlier in the day. And the reason that I'm scouting him out is because he takes a majority of his shot attempts at the rim, 44% to be exact. And that's the most he's taken within four feet of the bucket since his rookie year. Now, in his matchup against Miami, where the Heat really are struggling defensively, is surrounding the rim. They rank 27th in defending shots at the rim, allowing opponents to make over 69% of them. In fact, when they met up the first time, Oubre was able to get 25 points, and that was without Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, oddly enough. I think that was back in December, and that's going to be the same situation tonight. So if you're looking for a prop, Oubre should be considered in tonight's slate. I love it. And um, you're looking at a total, too, and we've been talking about this Cavs team a lot. They are in action tonight. They are a nine-point favorite at home against the Chicago Bulls. But you are looking at the total here, open 220 and a half. It has now moved up to 222. Yeah, this has been really wonky looking at the total. Like you said, open 220 and a half, saw some books get it as high as 224 and a half. And I thought that was really peculiar because you have two of the slowest paced teams facing off in the Bulls and the Cavs. The Bulls are dead last. And I think Cleveland's like 20th or 21st, somewhere around there in terms of pace of play. And of course, if you're slower, that probably leads to more unders. Cleveland has one of the best defenses in the National Basketball Association. They're second in defensive points per 100 possessions in second or pardon me third in defensive effective field goal percentage the bulls have a very lackadaisical offense i already mentioned how slow they operate when they have the ball and then defensively they're all right they're pretty average as chicago on the defensive front they can step up when they need to and cleveland an above average offense right they're clearly the better team as we see them almost a double digit favorite in this game and if they get out to a big lead that's going to separate things and slow things down even more so and these teams met two times already and this total didn't even sniff over 220 so again i was perplexed why it was so high uh, garland also questionable going into this one i played like a half unit on 224 and a half just to see where the line would go and you know what ended up happening with the roster because after the garland news was announced there were still some books that had 224 and a half so i just did a half unit i didn't really release it as an official play on the website per se but something i was monitoring and now that it's down to like 222 I'm not going to advocate for that per se. We talk about in-game, looking at those angles. Again, if this is a game that starts out quickly, if it's higher scoring in the first or second quarter, look to see if we get that adjusted total. If it soars to at least 224, 225 at any capacity, and then look to fire on the under because I just think it's way too high unless I'm completely missing something here. All right, Danny, before we let you go, I, I, we have to go to the NFL, of course. We crowned the Chiefs champions on Sunday. Never too early to look at the futures book, Danny. Are there teams that you are looking to potentially take an early flyer on in the futures book here in the NFL? Yeah, so I was just talking about this yesterday, and I guess I really looked at two teams, maybe three. So I'll start with the longest shot. I think the Chargers, I saw them at 30 to one, are a team worth investing in, in the sense that if they're 30 to one right now, you got to think Harbaugh, a competent coach, which the Chargers seemingly haven't had for a while, and especially when Justin Herbert's been there, they're probably going to have those odds maybe close to slashed in half at some point in the year. They're going to have an easier schedule, not finishing that great in the AFC West this past season. So I think that's a team that stands out. Another one, and again, it's not that I really want to trust his team to go deep into the playoffs, but it's the mantra of buy low, sell high. And I think the Dallas Cowboys at 20 to 1 kind of make a compelling case. The NFC East could be wide open once again if Philadelphia continues to regress. I don't think the commanders, regardless of what quarterback they get, are going to be anything impressive. And the Giants are still a very, very bad team. Uh, defensive coordinator, what they got, Zimmer coming in, former Minnesota coach. I think the defense will be fine. Dak will still do what he does during the regular season. And then banking on them winning the division, again, they won't be 20 to 1. They'll at least be having those cut in half to about 10 to 1. You could either sell off your ticket, you could hedge it, let it ride, whatever it may be but i think they're a team that is not going to have that price even halfway through the season and then if you want more of a reliable team or at least a team that you could actually expect to make it deeper 
probably have a more legit case. I'm saying this because they have choked every single time they've been in the postseason. But it's the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson fell short against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's fallen short a couple of times when they've had the first round bye. But at 9-1, to one, this team probably adding more and more weapons. The defense should still be strong. Lamar Jackson should still be a stud under Helm. I think they're the team in terms of the teams that are in the category of single-digit shots. That would probably be the squad that I'd want to take. I'm not going to knock anybody for taking the Kansas City Chiefs, but the three-peat is a tall order. Back-to-back is tough enough. And the 49ers, they seem like they may have a lot of turnaround this year. So uh, that's why I think Baltimore, among those more favorite type of contenders, would be the team that I would seek out. And depending on the shop, Chiefs and Niners, the two favorites, depending on where you're looking right now. Uh, Of course, both of them played here in Vegas a few days ago. Only three teams, at least in most shops, are single digits. Baltimore is that third one, as Danny mentioned right there. All right, DB, we'll we'll let you uh, enjoy your night here. Danny Burke uh, with us as always. As usual, Wednesday spot moving forward with us. Burksbeat.com, the Burks Beat podcast as well. DB, pleasure as always, man. Hey, thank you, guys. Enjoy your night. Best of luck with your bets. Thank you, Danny. You too. Danny Burke. Every Wednesday here on the show, moving forward. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we get back, more on the college hoop slate. Alex has some hockey plays as well for tonight. And also, uh, that last question I asked Danny, I might have some thoughts myself on that as well. We're back with more Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas' top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 12.30, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 12.30 a.m. in the Grandview Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. Welcome back in Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. Final 18 and change for us here today. Alex White is here as well. I'm Jeff Parles, and we are going to go on a Valentine's Day Wednesday to the ice. Let's go to some hockey here, Alex. You get to drive the Zamboni here. Where are we starting? All right. We're starting with the first game on the board. Florida Panthers going to Pittsburgh. I like this under six here. Pittsburgh is 10-2 and two to the under since January 6th. They're 4-1 and one to the under in their last five home games. The Panthers, 4-0-1 in their last five games to the under. Two really good goalies, Baparatsky and Tristan Jari for Pittsburgh. They both come in about 6-7 and seven on the list for goals against average. Sergio Baparatsky, 2.43, and Jari, 2.44. So defensive battle here between these two in Pittsburgh. I'm just going to follow that up. The next game on the board, we're going under as well. It's a... Lower number, it's five and a half, but you're getting even money here. Well, not anymore. Now we, <laughs> it's down to um, minus 111, but that's okay. Under five and a half here with the Sharks and the Jets. Hellebuck is the best 
goalie in the league right now. He remains at the top in almost every list. Goals against average. He's second to just Aiden Hill for the Knights, who has only played 20 games. Hellebuck has played 37. His goal against average is 2.19. Winnipeg was on a long streak of holding opponents to under 2.5 goals per game. I think we start to see this continue again. And San Jose, 3 and one to the under in their last four road games. Jets on a seven-game under streak. Let's keep it going tonight. We've got to get under five and a half. So two of the three games, I like under those totals. I'm not playing overs right now, but the last one, why, I would lean I, over there. That's why I defer to you. <laughs> nothing nothing here on, on the ice. You know, I, I'll ask you this, because roughly about two months to go in the NHL season here. Uh, I haven't really looked futures book-wise recently here. Right now, Bruins still the top team in the East. The Canucks uh, just continue to play great hockey, still in first place in the Pacific, even with all, again, granted, five games. Somehow, how did how Edmonton have five games at hand on Vancouver? How is that possible? They went on that 16-game No, no, no. Streak. I mean, like, they've played five less games. Oh, oh, five Vancouver. less games. Yeah, oh. that's kind of crazy, that is crazy, in all honesty. Um well, look, we're probably going towards an Edmonton VGK first round matchup, which give me the plus price with the Golden Knights in a series like that. I'm going to take it, Alex. Well, Lou came on our show, and um, I apologize. I can I can never remember his last name, Lou, but you Lou, know Lou. Lou Finicaro. There we Lou go. Finicaro, I should um, say. And he's going to jump on with us when we get closer to playoff because he really likes to handicap them different. Mm-hmm playoff hockey, and he loves VGK as a playoff team, but I do have Edmonton as my top team right now in my power ratings. They are that good, those Oilers. But um, your Rangers are right there. I have them fourth under um, Florida and Colorado. So how are their odds right now? Do you have those up? Because you were looking at the Rangers a couple months ago. So the Rangers right now, I would personally, again, at one of these points, the Toronto Maple Leafs have to get to the Stanley Cup final. Now, I'm not trusting them to do that ever because it's the Maple Leafs. Sometimes the team name just gets over it. Rangers roughly 10 to 1. I don't know if I love that too much. I think I'd take a flyer on VGK at 13 potentially. Uh, but the problem with that is they're probably going to be a dog. If they play Edmonton, they'll be a dog, even with home ice. Yes. They'll be a dog against Vancouver without home ice. So you would have an opportunity potentially to get VGK as an underdog four times in the postseason, which you then could wrap some series prices around and get better than 13-1 to one, uh, if you were looking to do that. Uh, I want to go back to the NBA real quick, uh, Alex, because I, I did bring this up. with We brought this up with Danny on the MVP award, and I didn't yes. bring up the actual futures. I would very much consider a few things right now in the NBA where – I'd like to go against Boston and take a shot on one of those bigger prices. The problem is right now, you can't bet the Sixers because if MB doesn't play against it, then again, this year they're done. Right. The Knicks price, the value is zapped right. at eight to one. You could look at Cleveland at 10 to one. The price, this is where this problem, once you get to the futures market, it's almost at a point where Milwaukee dips all the way to three to one. You're kind of obligated to take the bucks to win the Eastern conference and trying to fade Boston on the west side, I mean, same sort of issue. Clippers' value is zapped now at about plus 250. Suns, seven, yeah. seven and a half to one. I don't trust them. Minnesota, value zapped eight to one. Oklahoma City, volume zapped at nine to one. Value, I should say. It's just hard to find these values in, in, the, in the NBA futures market. With that said, on the MVP front, I would take a small, small, small piece on Donovan Mitchell. If Cleveland somehow ends up within a game or two of Boston in the Eastern Conference and Denver doesn't keep the pace fully and OKC doesn't end up number one in the West, I think Donovan Mitchell has a shot. Now, he's 101 for a reason. Wow. So take small, yeah. small piece of that, if anything. Definitely worth a little bit here. What do you think about Miami Heat where I'm looking here yeah. at South Point 12 to 1? You can't really count them out. I just don't, think, the East? I just don't think they're that good. I mean, that's they just somehow well, they weren't any good last they, year and they still made the, the NBA finals, right? Uh, yeah, Indiana is the interesting one in the Eastern Conference. I still don't like that defense. Uh, and we already saw them make the in season tournament final, but I just don't, I just don't see it getting through. It's a whole different game with the single elimination tournament as opposed to.
Two best of seven. Yeah. Even though they do match up great with Milwaukee for whatever reason. Yeah, they Ma- do. They match up great with the Bucks, And they now have a monstrous coaching advantage with Carlisle. They already had a big one with Griffin, but now they really have an even bigger one uh, with Doug. And I will say, I don't mind the Timberwolves, even though it's 8-1. to one, I know the value is not completely there. I mean, they're the best best team to match up with Denver, right, size-wise. Well, and- the one thing I will say, we saw this the other day with them, they match up great with the Clippers. Yes. It's a horrible matchup for the Clippers. So, and I don't disagree with you. Now, granted, Jokic has destroyed Gobert in the past. Uh, but they're the interesting. They, these young, unexpected teams in Minnesota and Oklahoma City, who currently sit at number one and number two in the Western Conference, makes it a very difficult handicap, potentially, when we get to the playoffs, where Denver could have to play Phoenix in round one, which I would take Denver, but that would not be the... It's not the matchup you want if you're the Nuggets right out of the gate. Right. Having to play those three high-caliber guys. Now, granted, I don't like Phoenix. Phoenix's depth. Clippers, if they match up with Dallas, I think they destroyed Dallas. I think Sacramento's the one matchup that could present a little bit of issues for the Clippers, even though Sacramento's defense isn't any good. And then you got, I mean, look, the Lakers are still sitting there. The, Mad, the, the Warriors are still sitting there. I don't think either of those teams are any good. But if they get into the, the get into the, Actual playoffs, yeah, one through eight, becomes a little dicey. Could be a little dicey for if, like if Minnesota plays the Lakers in a one eight. We have a situation where they we're we're that we're flipping at that point in a one eight, very right. much in play. Uh, if that were to happen, all right, let's go back to college hoops here. I want to I want to hit a few more games before we get out of here tonight, and it's starting with Clemson hosting Miami. I really wish this number came five because I would look to lay it with Clemson. Agreed. At home at a shorter number, but at seven, Miami still has enough talent on the market. Took this from seven and a half to seven. Not much of a shock. I think that was too large of a number to come on the Canes uh, tonight. But Miami's just been so inconsistent, especially defensively. I mean, they played North Carolina tough. They lose by three the other day. But. I just don't like them away from home, away from Coral Gables. So we're going to stay off of this. But if you get an in-game scenario with Clemson south of five, I think I'd go for it. I I definitely was looking here at the home team, but then I decided to go with the total, which is going the opposite way as me, but that's okay. I'm on the under here, so I love under 152. Now, these this is one of those ones, Jeff, where you can look at Miami's on Kempom and tell me what you think, but I think that their pace is skewed by their non-conference games because they had a lot more possessions in those games, and we've seen them drop significantly in their conference play. Now, this is a team, Miami, you just said inconsistent. They just lost 60-38 to to Virginia on the road. Like you said, you can't trust them on the road. Um, Their first game was super fast, and they they shot lights out in that game to beat Clemson. So I think Clemson will buckle down, control this game. So I like this game under the total. Going... (laughs) I do have one in the other ACC game that I don't mind that's starting at the top of the hour. If you want to take a money line shot on Georgia Tech on the road at Notre Dame, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue. Now, both those teams are bad. Notre Dame is favored because Georgia Tech, other than that win over North Carolina, has been dreadful in their last seven games. Mixed in there is a a not-so-good loss at Louisville over the weekend by double digits. I wish I was getting about plus 155, plus 160, but I don't mind that if you want to take a shot on Georgia Tech money line in this one against Notre Dame. Okay. You have nothing to add. I have nothing to add, and I'm not on this game either way. So, I mean, I might have to, I'm going to have to watch and just see and and cheer cheer it on now. I'll ask you this real quick on uh, South Carolina and Auburn, where we're down to 11, we're at 11 and a half right now in this game. Of course, Right now, South Carolina tied for first in the SEC. Auburn, as we know, considered by some power ratings the best team in the SEC. Right now, if you look at the SEC standings, Auburn a game behind both Alabama and South Carolina for the conference lead. This is all, all, all there was some twelve early behind us. It was eleven now up to eleven and a half. I'm not touching this for one reason where I just you know at some point South Carolina is going to get got. We already saw it earlier in the year against Alabama where Alabama torched them in the second half, beat them by 27. They haven't lost since that game with wins over Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee mixed in there. 
They handled the good sleepy potential spot well against Vanderbilt on Saturday, winning by 15 and covering all numbers. I just a bad, a tough spot here on the road against a, a a legitimate top 10 team at Auburn. Oh yeah, Auburn definitely is. I I agree. I mean, if I was getting a little bit more here, I'd definitely lean to South Carolina and taking the points here, but I feel like that number is just about right. South Carolina still 44th in Ken Palm, which is pretty low for a team of their stature in the way of the S. They're 21 3. Only I mean, three losses. They're only losses. <laughs> All right. The home loss to Georgia isn't great, but at Clemson, before we knew they were good, and at Alabama, those are totally reasonable losses to have on your ledger. Uh, if you're South Carolina, who again is well on their way into the NCAA tournament, just a matter of where their seating ends up going. Right now, yesterday, when Lenardi put out uh, the the bracket, he had them as a five seed against Yale. Well, that's not a good matchup for them. Uh, <laughs> out west, uh, we got getting sent out to Spokane, Washington, if they were to be in the tournament. All right, Alex, is 24 and a half enough to justify taking DePaul tonight against UConn? No. No, not, not enough? <laughs> On the road? 24 and a half point favorites for the Huskies. Tonight. I'm just going to stay away from this one, but I could see uh, Connecticut winning by 30. So I didn't. Would you consider doing what I've talked uh, talked about on this show where UConn plays a bad opponent and they can just name their score? Maybe looking at an over 141 and a half potentially in this game where UConn's in the 90s and you don't need much of anything in order to get there from DePaul? Yeah. I mean, the, I think I would look there first. What are you doing with this one? I, I wish I was getting 140 on this total. <laughs> no, I do, because DePaul, I mean, I'm not sure DePaul's going to be in the 40s tonight. That's your problem here. Where DePaul put on put 39 on Seton Hall earlier in the year. They put 57 on St. John's, who doesn't play particularly good defense. I'd be very concerned about DePaul being the problem to get you there. Now, yes. if UConn scores 100, DePaul can't get you to 42 points. Right. You, you deserve to lose. But I, that's the thing with UConn, where they really have been able to name their score just a matter of how interested they are in, in putting it on the opponent tonight in the Blue Demons, who are very bad at this basketball thing. You asked me this during the break, so I'll ask you the same question on this. Arkansas's eight and a half point dogs at home. We know it's been a mess of a season for Musselman and crew. You're taking it tonight against Tennessee at home, getting eight and a half in Fayetteville. I'm very tempted. Uh -oh. I'm very tempted. Uh -oh. I feel like they um they play to their competition at least for the first first half or first thirty minutes. So I, I think they can hang in there and being at home, but I haven't done anything just yet. You want to just take the first half then? Yeah. That's Maybe. exactly what I should do. All right. Before we get out of here. We talk today, through these. UNLV on the road tonight in Fresno. Huge win in the pit over the weekend, completing a season sweep over New Mexico. They're laying four and a half on the road. This feels like a dynamite spot to go against the Rebels on the road. Second consecutive road game after a, a, a big upset, double digit point upset on the road in New Mexico on Saturday. I agree, and I don't know what it is about this Fresno State team, but UNLV just does not match up well against them. Fresno went to UNLV and already beat them this year, 78-69. to 69. So I stayed away from this one, but I would not blame anyone for taking the points with the Bulldogs at home here. And it's not a particularly good Fresno team here in 2024, but this is just like the ultimate dynamite. Let's go against the team coming off a, a, a big upset win on the road in their second consecutive road game. Nothing on uh, Utah State of Wyoming tonight? Wyoming getting eight at home? No, um, I was leaning towards the over in that one. One forty-nine and a half. Yeah, but right those... Right Laramie. Yeah. It's a, it's, uh, it's a little higher than I wanted. Utah this, State's a good basketball team. They are. Very good. good basketball team. Good win, dominant fashion over Boise over the weekend, snapping there to game losing streak. I do want to get your... You said you had some NFL thoughts. Going into next season, maybe a long shot that you were considering. There's no real long shot. Okay. It's the Bengals. Until further notice with everything, the Bengals, when they're going to be undervalued, which they are right now, uh, if you're getting anything in the in the 12 to 15 to 1 pocket, it's undervalued. Are we just going to forget how good Joe Burrow was because he got hurt this year? Right. I mean, they weren't even good two years ago. They made it to the Super Bowl. Probably should have won the thing against the Rams. And then last year, I mean, they were one stupid shove away from being in overtime against Kansas City in Arrowhead. 
they're the team. They're the team. And again, could Burrow get hurt again? Yeah, sure. But as long as that guy is healthy, yeah. they're still the closest competition to Kansas City because they're the only team that beat Kansas City in this era in the postseason. See, and I was looking at a team that played in the same time as the Bengals, and I'm thinking the Rams. I saw them at 35-1 to 1 in some places with what they did in the second half of the season was very impressive, and you know you can count on Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. We have a great quarterback there as well. Um, just trying to think of what NFC team could actually beat the Chiefs this next year. And, I mean, they were one point away from uh, beating the Lions. It's a little too short for my liking here at the South Point, but it's Green Bay. To me, that's the team that takes the leap forward next year. The other one, if you want to really get fun with it, you want to go down the board, you can take a shot on the Falcons if you wanted, if you think they're going to get Kirk Cousins. That would be the only one I would consider doing down the board. Are you shocked that the Saints are 75-1? to They are the same as the Raiders and the Giants and the Colts. They're not any good. Not any good. Dennis Allen's still the coach. Not any good. None of those teams in the 75 to one pocket are going to be going to the giants are the one that I actually think could take the leap. Denver's probably going to have a rookie quarterback or a veteran. Who's not that good. They don't have the cap space to get Kirk in there. So see how it goes. So you think uh, the Falcons, huh? If you're going to take, take a dart down the, down the board, you're hoping they get cousins. That would right. be the only way to play it uh, yeah. on that. All right. That's all the time we have here for today for Alex White. Good, good work by Andrew and Jerry, Jerry back from his vacation as well. Good work as always. I'm Jeff Parles. We'll see you again tomorrow. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio.